Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show 110, released on February 26, 2014. My name is Steve Eunice, and joining me is my good friend Scotty V. Hey, Scott. Hello, Steve, and hello, everyone listening. How's everything going? Going well. Uh, it's been... It, it, like the months seem to go well. I mean, go quickly. I know February is usually a shorter month, but it doesn't really impact too much on us being whether it's 28 days or 30 days or 31 days because there's still so many Wednesdays in a month generally. But uh, it seems to have come around pretty quickly this time around. Time is definitely flying. I mean, I thought last month went quick too, and the holidays were over in a blink, and uh, it's just we're going to be in spring uh, here uh, in the States soon, and I'm not sure. I guess you're going to be moving into uh, uh, fall soon or yeah. Uh, something. Yeah, we call it autumn. We don't call it fall, but uh, it's, the, it's the season of the year that we're heading into. The summer here has been pretty good. It's uh, been nice and warm, but, it, uh, yeah, you can still you can feel the little bit of, coolness late at night when you have to pull up the covers where you generally you've just been uh you know sleeping without anything without any covers that is i don't want to give anybody a mental <laughs> picture of anything that uh this is a family site after <laughs> all steve what are you trying to go into here let's, uh, we've let's... had a horrible winter here in comparison to mm. your nice summer uh cold freezing uh, lots of snow every other day it seems like it was snowing uh, now we've had a nice couple of days, and then uh, we're going to go back into the freezing weather uh, in the, like Tuesday, a couple of days from now. When you hear this Wednesday, we'll already be back into the freezing weather again. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy. I've heard uh, about all the uh, the snow and the ice and everything going on there. It's uh, let's hope uh, that the spring, the coming spring, uh, thaws out everybody in a hurry. But uh, let's move into our discussion topics. Uh, it's been generally a, a bit of a quiet month on the movie front. There hasn't been too much to talk about, except one massive announcement, which uh, I'm sure everybody uh, knows about by now. It kind of came out soon after we released our last podcast, and that was the announcement, the official announcement, of some more casting with Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor and Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Yes, indeed. I've I've kind of talked about these in length on uh, Great Scott, if, if that's not something you watch. That comes out with the Speeding Bolts and every Friday, of course. Uh, but uh, I've kind of made my my thoughts known on it. I don't think that Jesse Eisenberg's a bad actor or that he'll even be bad in the role that they've come up with. I, But I must say, even without seeing it, and I usually uh, admonish people for, for saying that the something's going to be bad or good before they've even seen it. Uh, but before I, I see it, I can make the, the, the statement that I believe has, has to be true based on the type of person and actor that Jesse Eisenberg is, and that is it's not going to be the Lex Luthor I was hoping for, and that is the really tough, um, kind of physically fit, uh, larger businessman Lex who could take anyone in a fight in general, but also is very smart and, and very um, intimidating. And Jesse Eisenberg d doesn't come across as an intimidating or physically um, imposing figure. Not that 
Lex Luthor is Superman or a superhero and his muscles don't matter as much as his abilities and his personality. But so and I think that Jesse Eisenberg could certainly pull off much like Michael Rosenbaum did and wasn't an imposing figure either. Uh, But I was hoping for something we haven't seen yet. And that is the more comic book version that we're kind of all used to for the last 20 years or so. And of course, it's changed again in the comics. So it's always evolving. So Jesse Eisenberg is not going to be a way out of the uh, out of the realm of possibility uh, as someone as Lex, as we've seen before. He actually seems similar to what Michael Rosenbaum may have been. And that's, of course, without seeing any footage or without even reading how exactly it's going to be. We do have some rumors that that supposedly this Lex is going to be one way or another, but uh, we don't know what's true. And, and I'm just saying by his look, it's it's more Michael Rosenbaum than it is what I was hoping for for Alex Luthor for the future. Yeah, I can understand where you're coming from. Uh, when I think of Lex Luthor, for some reason, I... Uh, go immediately to Superman the Animated Series. Yes. And, uh, you know, the the Lex Luthor in that was obviously a, a bit more of an imposing figure, as you say. You know, had that deep uh, voice, that uh, authoritative figure. But, um, you know, w- mentioning Michael Rosenbaum, uh, his take on Smallville was much loved by very... Uh, many Superman fans who uh, watched the show, they thought that he was probably the best part of the characterizations of the of the you know the the main characters. I agree. And uh, yeah, so you know if Jesse Eisenberg can do if they if the role of Lex Luthor is something along the lines of what we saw in Smallville, if he's that type of a character, then I think Jesse Eisenberg could be fantastic in that particular uh, model for Lex Luthor. Um, like you, I had a you know, particular thing in mind for Lex, and obviously that's not always going to pan out the way we personally want things to look in a certain movie. But, you know, having seen Jesse Eisenberg in uh, uh, the, um, no, uh, the social network... Network, yes. And um, Catch Me If You Can, the, the, the magician movie, that was the most recent one that I've seen him in, um, he's definitely got that smartest person in the room vibe. He's got that smugness that um you know the the kind of character that you love to hate kind of thing because he, he's so good in that particular role but you just want to smash his face in because he's, <laughs> he's so annoying or he's just so smug you know so i think if they're going for that then you know jesse eisenberg is is a you know a great casting choice if that's the type of lex luthor they're going to be portraying because uh, he doesn't have that imposing stature, that uh, physicality to him that yeah, you might have uh, pictured in your mind. But, um, you know, it depends on what type of role Lex Luthor will be having in the story that will obviously having, you know, Zack Snyder cast him in that role because his audition was spot on, I guess. Well, he probably didn't have to audition. I would guess that most of these Hollywood actors that have a name that people know that have been in award-winning films and such get a call. The director would like to meet with you, and they come in, and they kind of offer it to them. Um, That's probably the way it went down, but of course we don't know for sure. But uh, I did not see The Social Network, nor did I see Catch Me If You Can, uh, but there's a Catch Me If You Can. What's it called? I think that's what it's called. Yeah, the magician movie. Doesn't it catch me if you catch me if you can? Is the Leonardo DiCaprio movie? Okay, maybe it's uh, now you see me or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it is now you see me. Something one of those anyway. But uh, I didn't see those. So if he comes across as smarmy and kind of smartest person in the room and kind of uh, you want to slap him, I could certainly see that part of Lex Luthor being a part of this. 
this character and played by this person. The movie I saw Eisenberg in was Zombieland, and I liked him in it. He was he was a nice guy. He was a quiet guy. He was a nerdy guy. He was a a, a small guy, as I was saying, in terms of being imposing. He is not. And 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 people have pointed out to me: Is it really necessary for Lex Luthor to be imposing? Is he really? You know, do his muscles matter, or does it matter what he can accomplish with his mind and what he can, what he can bring as far as attitude? But I've always thought, when you get called into a room with Lex Luthor, at least the Lex Luthor that's established, not the Smallville Lex Luthor who was trying to be a nice guy, but the Lex Luthor who is powerful and intimidating, you should be afraid. You should be in fear. And I, I just don't, I don't picture ever getting called into a room with Jesse Eisenberg and wondering whether or not I'm in trouble. I just don't. That doesn't. That wouldn't occur to me with Jesse Eisenberg. But um, Jeremy Irons, on the other hand, another another kind of different look at Alfred, at least from my point of view, where we've kind of had elderly guys for the most part. And uh, Jeremy Irons is is an older fellow, but he doesn't seem as old as, say, uh, um, uh, what is it, Michael Ian from um, uh, the original Batman movie in 89, or Go, Michael Go, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, very old guy. And, and uh, the, the latest, um, Michael Caine, who is also much older with white hair, and uh, it seems to me they might be also going for a different look and attitude with Alfred uh, being Jeremy Irons as well. Yeah, I haven't heard too many complaints about Jeremy Irons being cast as Alfred. That seems to have kind of been accepted straight off the bat, uh, and there were no complaints whatsoever. I think a lot of people were, were quite happy with that casting because Jeremy Irons is definitely a well-respected actor, where I think Jesse Eisenberg being a younger fella, being, you know, like you said, smaller of stature, having that curly mop of a hairdo, um, and with a lot of people only having seen him in something like Zombieland or The Social Network, where he was a lot, seemed to be a lot younger and seemed to be playing a younger type role, where in now you see me, he's uh, yeah, more mature um, and comes across in uh, in that manner. Um, it's one of those ones, I guess, that we'll just have to wait and see and make judgment once we've seen the film, once we've seen him in the role, because it's hard to picture him one with a bald head which i think is probably what a lot of fans are finding it difficult to uh to to come to terms with and no, don't worry about the hair folks because as latinoreview.com has told us uh he's going to shave his head because he's in a street gang from the age of 15 so yeah. nothing to worry about there i'm not sure about those rumors eh? there was a, quite a a list of certain things that came out from latino review about you know what the character of Lex Luthor, you know, some of the history, some of the the background of the character. They'd be, you know, in street gangs. That he'd have tattoos that he had, you know, done for himself. That he would shave, had shaved his own head, and just doesn't. I don't know. Just doesn't ring true to me. You know, I could kind of see him shaving his own head if, if say, um, he was doing some sort of an experiment or was killing someone by way of fire or something, and he got caught in it and and a lot of his hair was burned off or he was in a weird his hair ended up in a weird way and he and he and he then in kind of anger and disappointment shaves it mm. to to get the rest of it off but as far as I'm just going to become bald because I'm Lex Luthor and that's what I'm supposed to be it seems kind of you know John Shea in the Lois and Clark series ended up with a bald head later 
because that that happened to him whatever accident he had when he died and then he was he was brought back to life or whatever so he came back bald or his hair fell out because of the process of rejuvenating or or, or something like that and initially he was uh, kind of an, an older um charismatic guy mm, with hair suave. you know and i liked him a lot in the role he also wasn't physically imposing but mm-hmm. the way he played the role could be again a proof that a man that a guy that's not particularly physically imposing could still be kind of intimidating and i thought he was and and they just left him with hair they wanted to go with a sexier vibe for this I guess more female-oriented show back then, mm-hmm. so they could do the same thing. But it, you know, who knows what they're doing? And of course, those rumors that came out—the sleeve of Metropolis skyline on his arm—and um, I like the—I I love the idea that uh, he hates Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne just got his money handed to him, and, and Lex had to work for it and, and make everything himself with his ambitions. And uh, I like that. So if any of those rumors are true, or if they go with some of those types of ideas, again. We had this conversation about some other rumors um, when they came out with the rumors about the movie itself, the plot. A lot of the stuff seems kind of like, well, you could make that up and it sounds fairly viable. And then the other stuff seems way over the top. Mm. Well, I guess there's so much comic history to go by that you could quite literally, you know, take bits and pieces from certain stories and then uh, manufacture them into a movie, which I guess they kind of did with Man of Steel. There are certain elements from the movie, certain lines, certain dialogue that came, you know, directly from uh, particular Superman stories or graphic novels from the comic book. So it'll be interesting to see just how much of those rumours are true or how much was just made up from fan sites. So, uh, again, we have to wait and see. It's hard, you know, we can... Uh, judge based on our opinions, based on what we know of the characters, based on what we know of the actors, but until we actually see them in that role on film, it's going to be hard to really judge. And so I guess uh, we just wait and see uh, what uh, what more comes out before we can really say anything. Very true. And and speaking of which, everybody was kind of making a big fuss over, over Gal, Gal Gadot being cast, and she's too small, and she's too skinny, and, and, and the big thing, again, making kind of a judgment before we really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we see that uh, she's posting videos and, and, and photos of herself building her muscle, and we've heard about her workout regimen, and, and that, of course, makes sense. And I think we said that before. Obviously, someone can bulk up. Same thing could be said for Jesse Eisenberg, but he's never going to be a big guy he could get fit um but here in this case i guess gal gal herself isn't physically imposing either and people were kind of having trouble with her as wonder woman because of that but here we have some some uh, workout stuff coming out from her yeah i mean you know it's obviously still early stages i guess um it wasn't much that photo of her with you know flexing her right hand right arm muscle to show that she's building, you know, saying how much she enjoys exercise first thing in the morning and, and things like that. I guess it probably went uh, some way to alleviating some fears that people had about whether or not she was really serious about it or how she's getting into it. But, uh, you know, we saw uh, we saw Henry Cavill do it for Man of Steel. You know, he was a slight type of figure, you know, muscly for Immortals, but definitely not the bulky Superman that we ended up seeing in Man of Steel. We've even seen some photos of of late of Ben Affleck bulking up for the role of Batman, and he seems to be really getting into that too. So, look, Jim Jones as a fitness instructor, fitness place, you know, I, I do a wonderful work with the with the actors. They did that for Man of Steel with um, 
with uh, Feora and Zod, the roles for those, the characters, the actors for those roles, and you know they got them into the shape that they needed to, and I'm I'm sure they'll do the same thing with this movie. Depending on, you know, we still don't know how much Wonder Woman or Diane, Diana will have a role in uh, Man of Steel 2 or whatever they're calling it. We, uh, we really are still quite a ways out before we have any idea just uh, how much that muscle building is required. Well, that's exactly what I said last month, what you're saying there. And that is, uh, you know, the whole Jim Jones thing and the whole behind the scenes stuff where you see how hard these actors had to work and, and that they hated them after their workouts. But 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 in the end, they were so happy that they were that they were doing it and it was a challenge for them. And clearly it, it, it made them embody their characters in a much better way than if they just cast them and used them the way they were. And you could see that kind of effort going into it for for Man of Steel. Why would they skimp? Um, on that sort of effort in the next movie and mm. also the first introduction of Wonder Woman on the big screen yep. doesn't seem like they just cast a stick figure and use her exactly that way and not make her go through and I, I like hearing that she's doing sword work and kung fu work because Wonder Woman is a warrior and we've never seen that version of Wonder Woman in live action you know the old 70s show that everybody talks about and says they should just use the woman who played her there you know uh, it was goofy and it was cheesy and she chased after bank robbers and regular guys and she wrapped them up in a rope but it wasn't it wasn't she wasn't a warrior and she you know they didn't get into the th there was a themiscara plot but it wasn't it wasn't important and it wasn't they didn't go into the whole warrior thing and i just hearing that she's that she's learning martial arts and that she's doing sword training and that it's a very big part of her uh pre preparation for the role and, and working out is great to hear because uh, i think wonder woman can be a great character on screen and she does have a sword and she does know how to fight and i think that's great yeah and we can't forget that uh supposedly gal gadot's um contract is for three movies including um this film coming up we assume there'll be a wonder woman solo film maybe a justice league movie that's incorporated into that three picture deal but uh so whatever she's doing now will you know hold her in good stead for the following uh films that she's supposedly in line for and um so we just wish her the best wish her well and uh, wait and see just how uh, she looks once the whole Wonder Woman thing is portrayed, whether it's images that we get to see, some sneak peeks of the costumes, whatever it might be, we're all looking forward to seeing uh, her in, uh, you know, embody that role. Well, speaking of Justice League, I guess the newest uh, rumor to come out, I think from the same website, uh, is that maybe they're looking for a cyborg for the film. And that just makes me kind of move further down the path that this is more of a Justice League prelude than it really is a Man of Steel sequel. Mm, yeah, there's supposedly Zack Snyder is looking for a young black actor in his early 20s uh, who's, you know, imp physically fit, I guess. Uh, so it's led people down the, the, the track of believing that it's another superhero. And then with Cavill having said, Henry Cavill having said in interviews and behind the scenes things that... You know, he likes the idea of Cyborg being introduced and, you know, what that might mean for, um, for you know, moving forward with, with superheroes and how he connects humanity with, with the, you know, the superhero community. Um, you know, there might be something there for, for Cyborg to be introduced, whether it's a cameo role, whether it's something that happens post-credits, whatever it might be. Um, it's another rumour that's going on about uh, certain casting uh, being done or being sought after. So uh, once again, 
something to think about. But as for this whole thing about is it a sequel to Man of Steel? Is it not a sequel? Is it a follow-up? Is it a you know a Justice League movie? I like to think of it as a like a continuation of that universe, whether it be a direct sequel to Man of Steel, meaning it's a Superman movie, or whether it's just a, a DC Universe movie that is you know kicked off from Man of Steel, based off the Superman character, but expanding into other characters. I, I think that's fine. I don't think we necessarily have to worry now, you know, in this day and age about you know, okay, this character has, has X amount of movies, this character has is in this movie or not in this movie. You know, just it's a DC universe that they're looking to expand on and, you know, people are getting upset that is Superman going to be in this movie? Is his movie at all? I'm not that fast anymore. I think we will probably get a solo Superman sequel down the track where it concentrates mainly on Superman, but this film is a stepping stone to a Justice League movie, whatever you want to call it. Right, I I agree. Uh, but I I'm obviously I I will be as far as not being not caring one way or another how much he's in it or or whether it's a Superman sequel isn't it true for me because as much as I want to see a shared DC universe and these other characters on film, I would rather see them in their own films and in the Justice League film and as cameos. Uh, but I want to see a super you know like probably most fans listening to this podcast uh, as fans of the Superman homepage and as fans of the character of Superman, what I am most interested in is seeing Superman. I don't really care whether Cyborg is ever in a movie. I don't care if Batman ever gets another movie, although we know he will continue to do so. Um, but for, you know, for me, I do want to see 80% Superman in any movie that I watch with any oh, yeah. other character. So oh, yeah. even if I know going in that it's Justice League War and that all of the characters are going to be in it and Superman probably has a very minor role because there's too much to cover, I still would go, well, if I'm the writers, I would use Superman 80% of the time and all the other characters uh, have them have uh, small roles. But as we all know, there are stories revolving around every character when, you, when you're talking about the team as far as the, the Justice League. And not every issue of the book even can, can concentrate on every single character. So when you're breaking it down and when you're having a shared universe, there will be times when Superman's not involved in a scene or in a plot line. But when you're talking about a follow-up to Man of Steel and, and we were told we are making another Superman movie and this is it – we kind of are starting to find out that that's really a lie, much like Superman being the first superhero was a lie. And and it's and it may not even have been a purposeful one because Zack Snyder's not in charge. The studio told him what to do and he's doing it. He made it he made the statement years ago that Superman's the first hero in this universe. Not that he's the first hero we're going to show you, not that he's the first hero and then we're going to prove to you that other heroes were around before, but that he's the first hero. And then this summer we got – this past summer we got him saying we are making another Superman movie and it's and, – and there's no way to know yet that it's not another Superman movie. But it, it's more – sounding more and more like it's another movie that happens to have Superman in it more than it is another Superman movie because it's just – there's too many characters – and and casting Batman supporting cast doesn't do us any good in a Superman movie. That means that there's going to be more character work spent on Batman at the very least. And now we're hearing – obviously Wonder Woman's having some sort of a role and, and uh, we're hearing about other possible heroes. And and it's been rumored for years that, that DC and Warner Brothers want to get to Avengers-style JLA-type movies. So it seems to me that that's kind of the route we're traveling on as opposed to – another Superman movie.
Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love to see a seven-hour Superman movie just concentrating on Superman alone. That's definitely my thing. But um, yeah, I've just there's been a lot of discussion on the internet in different places and Facebook and stuff where people are arguing over semantics about whether this is a sequel to Man of Steel, or whether it's a follow-up, or whether it's you know um, something else altogether. But uh, I guess until we get again, sit down in the cinema and just see how much content is related to Superman and focused on Superman, we won't be able to judge whether or not it is a Superman sequel or if it's a Justice League stepping stone or whatever it may be. Uh, again, I'm with you. I would rather see more Superman than anything else, but uh, I guess I'm, I guess, you know... We're in the minority. We're certainly yeah. in the minority. But I'm uh, settled Superman with the fact that it's going to have other characters in it. Yeah, well, yeah, and that is what's happening. Um, I just, I kind of don't like the the misleading statements, but again, I don't think it was um, the the people's fault that made those statements. And you know, in their mind, and based on everything I've heard from Zack Snyder, he really is a fan. He really enjoyed making Man of Steel. He really wanted to continue that story and maybe now he's getting excited about what he what he's doing here but i think it was more an edict from the studio than it was well let me tell these people that i'm doing one thing but we're going to do something else instead so uh, that's what's disappointed me not so much that i'm going to be broken hearted that some other heroes will be turning up in dc universe movies we we knew kind of knew that that was always going to be something they'd shoot for if they could actually get it done and as you mentioned last month maybe it's maybe it's good news that it was man of steel that finally gave them the ability to do so even though i can put a negative spin on it and say well it was but it wasn't because they're only doing it now because they weren't happy enough with what happened with man of steel which may or may not be true in one way or another but they are still staying with Henry Cavill and the rest of his supporting cast, and they are moving forward with a shared universe in one way or another in this film just by the casting we've heard of already. So good news is Superman was the kickoff for that. Man of Steel was the beginning of that, even if Batman now, as we found out, find out is a, is a, is a superhero before Man of Steel's Superman, which we were told was not the case before. Man of Steel, the film itself, is the kickoff for that universe. Yeah, I guess we'll have to wait and see just how Batman's characterised and how well-known he is in that universe to be able to state whether he was a superhero or whether he was just a vigilante or doing about his stuff or what the case may be. Uh, I guess that might be, again, semantics, uh, you know, depending on the wording of the, th of the, of, you know, the word superhero. But, um, look, we'll wait and see how it pans out. But that's what's happening with this upcoming movie, some official casting, some rumours, some muscle building going on. So we wait and see. Uh, supposedly we might be seeing some pictures, some images of the costumes, uh, whether there's a Superman update or not. All that will happen supposedly within the first couple of weeks of March. But uh, don't hold your breath. We'll wait and see if that is indeed true. <gasps> we'll bring it to you as soon as that is released online. Oh, you said don't hold your breath. No, I oh, said geez. don't hold your breath. I almost, I was turning blue there. Oh. Yeah, well, it would be a pretty uh, lame rest of the podcast if uh, you were passed out on the floor and I was just Completely me. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, maybe I'd snore, though, and then that would make it exciting. <laughs> All right, well, let's have a look elsewhere. Um, this JLA Adventures Trapped in Time uh, DVD was released exclusively to Target uh, back in late February and, sorry, late, late February, late January, I think it was, early January. And uh, it, it, it was something that uh, 
a lot of fans who did get to see it were quite impressed with it. It was like an updated Super Friends. It was definitely aimed at children. I have seen it now and was was impressed. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was, you know, it was, it had plot holes, don't get me wrong. There were problems with the time travel aspect of it and but it was kind of, it harkened back to the old Super Friends TV show on Saturday mornings and it was a bit more updated and a bit more modern than that and the, the animation and the character designs were quite good and the storyline was quite good. I just thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a good fun romp. Wow, that's a that's a that's a nice review um, as far as being short for the for the podcast. But was it being that it was aimed at at a younger audience? Was it more like Brainiac attacks, or was it uh, you know because that was kind of a disappointment? Yeah. I liked it because it featured all the voices from the continuation of the animated series. But other than that, it was kind of lame. Yeah, no, I wouldn't hearken it. It would, it, it's nothing like Brainiac Attacks in that it's not goofy, it's not silly, it's not um, you know campy at all. It's it's quite serious in its tone. It's you know the villains are villainous and and you know they ha- you know Lex Luthor and 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 the, the focus is very much on the Superman character and um, you know trying Lex basically wants to go back in time using the Time Trapper to eliminate. Superman and and Wonder Woman and Batman before they began, so that uh, the Justice League would never happen, and therefore he can rule the world. Uh, but uh, and it even goes th- up to this, the Legion of Superheroes time, the thirtieth century, thirtieth is it the thirtieth century? Yeah, and um, it, it look like I said, it's 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 fun. It's it's mainly aimed for younger audience. It's not as dark or as adult as some of the Justice League movies of late, like the the DC Universe. Had, animated movies that you know there's no swearing there's no foul language there's no uh lois lane flipping the bird or anything like that <laughs> the but, double middle finger <laughs> but uh it's it's fun like i said it, you don't take it too seriously because there are plot holes and things like that but kids will enjoy it and, and adults will enjoy it too if they're fans of the characters and you'll be able to get to see it uh if you weren't able to get it from target because like i said it was a target exclusive and not everywhere has a target or people weren't able to grab it from target but it will be released worldwide or you know in a wider release from may 20th so not too far away not too far far enough far enough i wish it was may right now because it's cold where i am (laughs) (laughs) but uh yeah jla adventures trapped in time uh if you're looking for something that's a, a bit more fun a bit more uh, kid-centric, then definitely check it out uh, when it comes out on May 20th or look to your Target store if there's one in your area to, to purchase it on DVD. Indeed. All right. Well, let's move into uh, some TV news now. Uh, I did post on the Superman homepage this contest that we've currently got running. Uh, time is running out very shortly uh, for you to get involved and win one of the four CD limited edition release sets of Superman the Animated Series soundtrack. Uh, I have it in my hand as we speak. I'm, you can hear it there. It's it's great. I, I love it. Uh, Superman the Animated Series is one of my favourite renditions or, or uh, it, you know um, versions of Superman, and the uh, the music to this uh, is iconic. It's uh, it's instantly recognisable when you listen to certain episodes and you can hear the, the music from those episodes if you're a big fan of the show. Uh, definitely worth checking out from lalalandrecords.com. Uh, 
I love that show. I always mm. did. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of emphasis on characterization or re- relationships, but as far as uh, meeting of villains and and him having action scenes and and being Superman, it's fantastic. And uh, I thought the main theme was was good. Yeah. But I I never would have guessed that that there were there were four CDs or more worth of music. You know, now as a fan and with all the episodes on on DVD, I'm gonna have to go back and watch because my guess was that it that it's just a lot like SpongeBob SquarePants where every time there's a silly scene they play that same exact song and 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 it's you know the three themes from SpongeBob you hear in every single episode I would have just guessed that there was a dark theme for villains and and that there was the man of steel the superman theme when he saved people or whatever I I didn't realize that there was that much differentiation or that there were actual titled you know, songs that were used, as I say, with four CDs worth of uh, of stuff. Yeah, each CD runs for about 79 minutes, so there's uh, definitely a lot of stuff on there. There's, you know, all the music from uh, the main title, obviously, in The Last Son of Krypton, uh, part one, two, and three. There's uh, Monkey Fun, Tools of the Trade, um, In Brightest Day, A Little Piece of Home, Live Wire, uh, The Apocalypse Now, part one and two. Uh, World's Finest, Part 1, 2, and 3, Mixies Pixelated, uh, Father's Day, uh, bonus tracks from you know from some of the episodes, uh, Little Girl Lost, the, the Supergirl, um, Part 1 and 2, um, Legacy, Part 1 and 2. So, you know, the end credits, uh, some of the, um, the little spots that they ran for uh, from TV um, commercials, you know, they would have been they edited down the, the theme for you know thirty second spots and things like that. It's all on here, so it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, I know Michael Bailey grabbed his from LaLaLandRecords.com, and he's absolutely thrilled with it. So it is limited edition to three thousand units. So uh, if uh, you don't get in quickly, you might miss out. So definitely check it out at LaLaLandRecords.com. That's very interesting. I, I'm like I said, I'm surprised there was that much music. But I, you know, just doing a search here now, if you noticed, I was a little hesitant in answering you. Uh, I didn't think that there was a Batman animated series uh, soundtrack, and I know that that was a much better received show. I know it ran for a much longer period of time, and I know it has a lot of fans still to this day. But I see now that there's several volumes of the Batman animated series soundtrack, so probably more than four CDs worth there. Yeah, so I uh, check that out, as I said, at lalalandrecords.com. Now, the only other piece of Superman TV news that we have, and we're very light on for TV news this, uh, these days, uh, is the release of a DVD set containing the seasons two and three of the New Adventures of Superman cartoons from the 1960s. These were created by Filmation. Uh, the second... Se- the, well, the first season released on DVD... Uh, didn't contain the Superboy and Crypto segments, which uh, was a real shame, and we still are not getting those here in this Season 2 and Season 3 release. I'm guessing, I'm hoping that they'll release those in one DVD package somewhere down the track. But uh, these Season 2 and 3 of The New Adventures of Superman, Season 2 was actually called Superman, the Superman-Aquaman Hour of Adventure, and season three was the Batman Superman Hour. Uh, they were from 1968 and 1969. 
and uh, included some of the uh, other characters from the DC Universe, some of the uh, Super Friends and Justice League characters uh, introduced in Seasons 2 and Seasons 3. Uh, you can get these on DVD from June 3rd. Now, are these uh, are these the full hour episodes where you have one uh, episode of Superman and one episode of Batman or one episode of Aquaman, or did they cut out those other separate hero adventures? The separate hero adventures have already been collected on a separate DVD collection called DC Superheroes, I think it's what it is. It's been out for a little bit now, a couple of months ago or last year sometime. Those separate adventures were already released on DVD. These are the Superman-Aquaman adventures, I guess, that were um, separate to those. Very good. Exciting. So, yeah, as I said, they're available. There's a complete list of 32 episodes in this set, seasons two and three, available on DVD. They're not releasing it on Blu-ray as far as I know, so uh, don't hold out for that. Uh, So June 3rd, you can pre-order it now from the Superman homepage online store at supermanhomepage.com slash shop. So definitely get to that uh, when you can. All right. I think we're about ready to move on to the comics section of today's show. definitely. Well, uh, I guess we have big news coming up. Doomsday is returning to the world of Superman. We've already seen him once, uh, I guess, in the Wonder Woman Superman title. They fought him uh, very, very briefly, and then he kind of disappeared. And we also saw the Doomsday number one during Villains Month, where we learned a little bit more about this version of Doomsday in the new 52. But uh, we have something exciting coming down the line, and uh, I guess Scott Lobdell is going to start up on this Doomsday saga, I guess it's called Doomed. That's right, yeah. Superman Doomed number one is a one-shot written by um, Scott Lobdell, who is leaving the Superman books after this uh, Doomed storyline. Then the the story will continue uh, in Action Comics, written by Greg Pak, and then Charles Soule will pick it up again in Superman Wonder Woman, and then it will conclude in Superman number 31. So that's Action Comics 31, Superman Wonder Woman number 8, and Superman number 31, uh, 31 which con- which continue on after the Superman Doomed number 1. And this will all be happening in May. That's kind of exciting. I've kind of, you know, people have been asking about it from the beginning. You know, did he die? How did it happen? Who is Doomsday? What's the deal? And uh, I'm guessing that it didn't go down the way, well, it couldn't have gone down the way we remember it because everything has changed now mm-hmm. and Steel's already Steel and, 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 you know, he didn't come about until after that and Superboy's very, very different than he was and obviously we've just been introduced to the Cyborg and he's very different and uh, who knows what's going on with the Eradicator but different also. So very different we're going to see and, and I guess this is going to be another yeah, origin of a, a storyline that we already knew that is now different. And I think what I've come to believe about the New 52 is that these characters were those renditions at one time. And now because of this hooded figure and because of Flashpoint and because of the whole time thing that happened, the universe itself has been changed. So knowing that that story happened, it did happen, but it's almost like an alternate universe or an alternate timeline where that occurred. And now we're in a different 
timeline and we're kind of jumping around you know years before that it was a different timeline so we're just kind of doing that again and now we're going to see uh, how doomsday come about he looks a little bit different from the artwork that i'm seeing looks a little bit different similar but a little different and i guess he's going to have some new powers or new abilities that he did not always have before mm, they're, they're being kind of a little bit quiet about what will happen there and what his new powers are but uh, Lobdell did say in a interview with Newsarama.com that he said he said I am sure I speak on behalf of both Charles and Greg, meaning the other writers of this story, when I say that no one who is expecting sorry that anyone who is expecting a cover band version of the death of Superman is going to be sorely disappointed. That story was nearly told 20 years ago. There is zero interest on anyone's part to do a new 52 version of it. After the finale of Superman Doomed Number One is read, you'll understand that there is no possible way for us to retell that story again. And also, let me say that always say he goes on about some other stuff. So this is uh, he says we want to make sure that like Death of Superman, this is a story that people are still talking about 20 years from now. So not going to be happening. I'm sorry. But... Yeah. No, I was just going to say. So don't expect it to be a rehashing or a retelling of the Death of Superman because they're not doing that. This is something different. But it is their, you know, way of making the Doomsday a massive character in the Superman universe. I would like to venture on a limb myself and say, if that does happen, that he's saying he wants this, like Death of Superman, to be a story people talk about twenty years from now, I would guess that this will be the first storyline that happens to be talked about twenty years from now from the New Fifty Two because. I don't believe anybody's talking about any stories that have gone on in the new 50. Nothing has stood out. Nothing has been like blowing your mind kind of you you have to read this story thing. I've enjoyed some of the stories, but they're not something that anybody's going to be talking about 20 years from now. So let's hope this is a great story, but I can't imagine it's going to be anything like the hype that still surrounds the death of Superman saga from back in the 90s. No, um, I agree with you. But, you know, and of course, once Scott Lobdell leaves the Doom, the Superman title, we have uh, Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. moving in to be the new Superman creative team. Yeah, this is pretty exciting because uh, on one hand, it shows that DC Comics are, you know, are interested in making Superman big again because Jeff Johns has come on board, say, the Aquaman book and made that huge. He came on to, you know, the Flash and made that huge. So uh, he is kind of the go-to guy to reinvigorate a um, particular title and to, you know, get everyone interested. He has a big following from... You know, people who read Jeff Johns stuff just because it's written by Jeff Johns. Um, you know, I'm not one of those people who follows writers around from title to title. I follow the characters, but there are a lot of people who do that. And John Romita Jr., who's been a Marvel staple for so long, is coming on, you know, changing sides and coming on to DC Comics. And, you know, we'll be tackling Superman, which is exciting too. I mean, I haven't really warmed to the artwork that they've showed us, but they said they haven't really settled on the design yet or the look of the book yet, so I guess that's probably uh, an illustration he's done or just some kind of, you know, template stuff that he's done just to work out some of uh, what he's planning to do. But, uh, I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what this new creative team does with the Superman title after Lobdell's run. I'm looking forward to it as well, although the last big Superman project I remember Jeff Johns working on, I was not a big fan of. Uh, I think that was Secret Origin. It didn't do much for me. I didn't love it. Um, I actually kind of hated much, a lot of it. I, I liked some some aspects. Some of the Lex Luthor stuff was kind of cool. 
Um, Superman, I thought, I thought was was not done particularly well. Uh, I like Jeff Johns. I've I've read other things. Uh, I met him. He's a very nice guy. So I'm I'm hoping that. Uh, we don't go down that line again, although even the Metallo in this new 52 is kind of similar to the one that was introduced in Secret Origin, which I didn't like. But, um, you know, having, you know, the idea that these, and we've talked about this before too, these creative teams seem to change so much uh, these days. You know, thinking about the Death of Superman arc and the 90s and reading books, I feel like Superman looked the same for pretty much every book five years, ten years, and there wasn't such a drastic design change in almost every book I read. Uh, I, I read all the books that came out this month today, and every book Superman looks different. And when you read two action comics back-to-back, he even looks different in each of those books, and they're the same there's they're the same title, but there's a different writer, or there's or there's a different artist, or there's several pages drawn by somebody. I know we've talked about this before, so I'm sure somebody knows why that's happening, and I'm I'm sure that a lot of people don't care. But it, it kind of throws me off a little every time I turn a page and Superman looks different from book to book, and and sometimes from in the same book next yeah. the next month. Yeah, I guess that comes down to. Uh you know, artists and their timing, being able to get things out on time, uh, you know, particular artists being flavor of the month, you know, they like a particular artist. He's selling well over on a different book, so they bring him in and try to bring his style to the book, and it doesn't always work with a superhero book. Um, I know a lot of people haven't been that impressed with uh, what's been happening with uh, Jay Lee, I think his name is, on the uh, Batman Superman book. You know, he's... Uh, artwork is, you know, very different to what people expect from a superhero book or come have come uh, become used to in a superhero book. So, look, it's I guess it comes down to personal preference as far as what you like, to, you know, character to look like. Well, if you're in a non-continuity book like Superman, Batman, or Batman Superman, whatever it's called. I think that that's the place where you would do something Try different. I like yeah. the look of that book. I yeah. like it's a little more, little more dark, a little more realistic looking in, in, in a lot of ways. But when you're talking about one action book to the next month's action and, mm-hmm. and, you, and he looks different or you're talking about from page three to page 14, he looks one way and then page 15 to, you know, and the first two pages he was different, that, that gets to be a little, uh, a little off-putting. Yeah, I guess what it comes down to is DC Comics deciding that it's better off to get a book out on time and have a certain, you know, have multiple artists on the book to be able to finish it off than to have one artist on the whole book and it being delayed all the time. Why was that not an issue in the 90s? I mean, I don't seem to remember having to wait, you know, when they had the diamonds on the covers and and it was, every book was out when it was supposed to be out and all of the books were linked together and they had writers meetings and they knew where they were going and they knew what was going on. And sometimes, you know, I read some of the, uh, death of Superman uh, comics again when I, uh, when I did Michael Bailey's podcast, cause they were going through the, uh, the death of Superman arc at that time. Mm -hmm. And he had heard me talk about it before and, and thought I might like to get in on that. And the art, a lot of the artwork is terrible <laughs> so i mean okay maybe that's what they're going you know they want to make sure that it's consistently good quality artwork even if it's different artists um and maybe that's what happened back then you know they just rushed through stuff and and it wasn't uh, as 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 high quality art as it could have been 
And of course, back in the 90s, I don't think we were really heavily uh, using computer programs to draw our comic books. So a lot of it was still probably being hand drawn and, and, and that kind of thing, but they were still able to get it out on time. And and we, as I said, I, we've probably talked this to death. I just, I, it seems like every month we have a new creative team we're talking about. And it just seems like that happens a lot more. I feel like, I, I can't think of a particular artist right now, but I feel like for years or or decades, the same artist was on Superman in the 90s. It didn't change from book to book or from month to month or every several months, but it seems like it's been going that way since the new 52 and probably a little before that. And maybe that's just the way of things these days. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either, but uh, I understand where you're coming from. And, and it could be just, you know, thinking, looking back, that certain artists uh, look the same or maybe they tried to draw, a, you know, and have a particular style guide that they tried to stick to. Um, I remember Amonan being totally, I'm not sure if that's Stuart, I think that's how you pronounce his surname, yeah. having a totally different look to, say, Dan Jurgens, but it was still, um, you know, his particular style and it was still quite good. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on this day and age with uh, artists, you know, the whole superstar artist thing and, you know, not not being able to complete books. I mean, look how much time there is between issues of Superman Unchained. It, you know, it, it was supposed to be solicited for last week and now it's not being... The next issue won't be out till the middle of March. And so it there seems to be like six to eight weeks sometimes in between issues of that book and that's by one particular artist. So, yeah, I guess that's the alternative. Right. Right. Well, again, that's an out-of-continuity book, and it's probably okay to be able to wait for that. And, and, and it probably, when that kind of thing happens, whatever book it is, and Superman's a hard sell these days to begin with, so I think you hurt yourself when you take that kind of time uh, to bring out a book. People just give up on it or forget about it or go, I can't, I, I can't, I just can't keep up with it. It takes too long. There's 18 books that come out between the two books of this one, and I, I'm... You know, I have trouble as it is remembering where I am in each storyline. That's why I used to like when they were all connected. And just to have, you know, that book is a real quality book and the art's really good on it. And and, and a lot of what happens with Superman in it is is spot on uh, from what I remember. But it's been so long, maybe I'm remembering incorrectly. (laughs) Well, uh, let's have a look at some of the comic books we have read this month. And that, uh, I want to first we don't really talk about it that much uh, because it's uh, an out of continuity book it's standalone it's each chapter sometimes is its own story but uh there was a two-part chapter story in uh, the adventures of superman comic book chapter 40 and 41 saw the joker come to metropolis uh i quite liked this story i thought it was quite well done and uh you know, it, it was written by a particular uh, writer who, you know, has made some headlines about his thoughts on Superman, especially some videos that he's done. But um, what what were your thoughts? It's crazy to me that an out-of-continuity book written by Max Landis, who supposedly uh, hated Superman based on his mockery of the death of Superman, although I made the argument that it was just a fun thing, and... To know the things he knew and to want to do it in the first place, he had to be a fan. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's a fan and makes jokes about Superman all the time. Uh, Everybody knows Superman. Everybody has some sort of um, connection to Superman throughout his life. Uh, Like him or not like him, he's a super popular, well-known character the world over. And Max Landis, I believe, especially after reading this story, is clearly a fan of Superman. And what amazes me 
is that this out of continuity book with kind of weird artwork and changing artwork on every panel and 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 you know uh, obviously every book's different because it's a different art artist every time could be so incredible i mean superman was portrayed as a as a smart guy intelligent able to figure out the joker within seconds and 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 he's not even portrayed that way in his own books most of the time. Mm. And 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 most people I still talk to think Superman is a pompous, arrogant ass who thinks he's better than everyone else, and who is is a dumb jock who can punch things and lift things up and put them down, but not do anything else, and isn't very intelligent. And that's why they need Batman. And I love loved the scene with Batman in in, in forty one. And that might come across as arrogant or whatever, but the the way Superman was written in this book and the way he flustered the Joker was fantastic. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. As did Alyssa Gossage, who reviewed the uh, reviews Adventures of Superman for the Superman homepage. Uh, the story is called "The Sound of One Hand Clapping." Uh, it's a two-parter involving the Joker coming to Metropolis. Uh, it is written by Max Landis with art by Jock. And uh, there are some panels that he tries to purposely mimic some of the uh, the movie and TV and, and animated versions of the characters, uh, like just that. as a homage to to those uh, uh, versions of the characters. And it's it is it's a very thought provoking story. It's quite well done, as are a lot of the Adventures of Superman standalone stories. Uh, forty two and forty three are already out as we're recording this. Um, 42, I think, was the one about Clark Kent uh, having to uh, <laughs> to babysit some of his neighbor's kids. That was uh, a little bit absurd. Yeah, that my, was an I absurd story. A... But it, again, just fun. Just kind of, you don't have to know where it's coming from. You don't have to know anything about any you know continuity. You just come in, jump in, read it, uh, like it or not like it, and then go away. And that's it. It's a, a self-contained story. And, I, and I they're think quick. That, they're real quick. Yeah, and it's really. Know, I think it's enjoyable. I I I like this. You know, you, you don't have to think about, oh, where were we last time? There's no, and previously in Superman, uh, it's just, you know, just you just read it, pick it up and read it for what it is, and it's and it's great. So if you're not reading comics and you want to get into some comic books but you're scared about continuity or you're not enjoying the new 52, read Adventures of Superman. I honestly think you'll find something 99% of the time that you'll enjoy. Oh, there's been 43 of them, or 43 is going to be released very, very soon, and they're cheap. And they're quick, and you can read them on your tablet or on your computer, or uh, you know, uh, or, or wait until they collect and, and get them. But mainly, they're supposed to be digital. They fit on the screen much better than regular comics. They're very easy to read. They're very quick reads. And this one was a fantastic story. They're not all just simple goofy. The next one was a little sillier and, and comedic, and and that's that's something that's likable about them. They they don't they don't they're not beholden to one kind of you know the new 52 version of superman is kind of depressing at times and 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 you know unsure of himself or whatever and it's kind of emo or, or some people say you know this is superman and it's uh it goes up and down but for the most part they kind of get superman right most of the time yeah and you know sometimes they wear they have him wearing the classic costume you know with the red trunk sometimes they harken back to the Fleischer animation animated design uh, it just depends on what the what the artist and what the the writer want to put, and they're, they're not beholden to any particular continuity or any particular version or any particular style. It's just kind of iconic, classic type Superman stories that you can pick up and enjoy. 
they're, they're 99 cents per digital chapter. They come out every Monday, so definitely something worth picking up if you're interested in reading Superman comics. Absolutely. I recommend them. I've yeah. liked a lot of them. Me too. Now let's get into the Superman proper. The the main titles are Superman number 27 uh, was the first one we want to have a look at. And this is a continuation of the Parasite story that we've been seeing going on a little bit now in the Superman title. Uh, Superman at first, well, it's, it's, it's Parasite leeching off of Lois's powers that she got from the, the whole Brainiac saga. Yes, indeed. And it's uh, a new parasite. I didn't realize it. I, I, you know, I think I phase out sometimes when I'm reading comics, or or when it's been so many weeks since we've seen a character, or so many months, or whenever Parasite was first introduced. I don't even remember it being introduced. Um, but maybe I'm just old now and I forget stuff. I don't know. Uh, I didn't realize Parasite was no longer uh, Rudy. Uh, and he's this new guy. I don't know who he is. I don't remember him being changed into a parasite. I, I, you know, I read in this one, bike messenger turned parasite, and I don't. I have no memory at all of that actually happening. But the book itself was mostly an action story with a lot of pounding things and um, uh, people getting killed and things being thrown. Um, I guess it was okay. I, I didn't love it. Uh, I, didn't, I, I don't. I don't love the whole implication that. And it's not really an implication. It's pretty clear to me that Superman is mostly worried about his secret identity. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I'm Jonathan, I'm with him in terms of so great. You know, you just risk whatever the parasite might do um, uh, for whatever reason you have. And you know stuff that you're not telling people. And and, and uh, we watched him, let him do whatever he was doing to Lois and saw him kind of satisfied at the end that Lois didn't remember at that point, which you would be, but if it was accidental, that'd be one thing. Uh, he, he seemed to know it was going to happen and let it happen. Yeah, I'm with you. I didn't like the characterization of this, and I guess that's why a lot of people are, are happy or you know, uh, not to upset the fact that Loeb Dell is leaving the Superman titles because he... He, I don't know, he just doesn't seem to get the Superman that I get uh, or that I think of as far as the way he's characterised, his personality. Um, I, I don't think Superman would ever risk someone's, whether it's a calculated risk or not, I don't think he would do that um, without really knowing 100% if that's what would happen, if that was that was you know the, the outcome. He kind of takes a, oh, what? a risk with Lois's life, and it works out in the end, but it's not not the kind of Superman action that I would like to have seen him. You know, I would like to have, him to have known that this was going to happen and, and, okay, you know, this is... But he, he didn't know. He just he took a calculated risk. Well, there's a few things that are wrong with that anyway because I don't think there's any way you could know... And if you could know, would you be able to know that she wouldn't lose her memory yeah. of her sister or yeah. lose her memory or of who she self. is or, uh, you know, anything? And, and what kind of other damage is going to be done? And are you going to be able to get him off of her in time where she's not going to die? Mm. Um, are you going to be able to get him off her in time where he's not going to be too powerful that you can even stop him? And and uh, and, and what I wanted to say about Scott Lobdell is – is it really Scott Lobdell or is this the Superman that we've been introduced to since the beginning of the New 52 where occasionally a writer comes on who remembers the idea of what Superman is and he comes in and he writes a story where we go, that's Superman. But most of the time, the, the, it seems to be the impetus from the powers that be 
they want him to be an edgier Superman. They want him to be more of a uh, risk taker. They want him to be more of a guy who uh, you might not be sure if you could trust. And that's unfortunate, but but is it really Scott Lobdell or is that really the the new origin of Superman and the new character as as they want him in the new 52? Yeah, well, good point. I, I don't know the answer to that, and I guess that's maybe something we can put to someone like Scott Lobdell or even Eddie Baganza, who's the editor of the Superman books, because it does seem to be happening more and more often. But there are writers who are writing within the scope of the New 52 who do seem to get Superman a lot better than what Lobdell is. And one um, instance of that is what's happening in Action Comics at the moment, with the Action Comics number 28 being the uh, the continuation of this Lana Lang Superman venturing into a... Uh, hole within the earth uh, and finding this place called Subterranea and this uh, this group of, of beings that li- have lived down there for millennia and and the ramifications of that and I thought Superman was characterized a lot better in this story. I thought so too and I, I thought you know it's a continuation of, of, of the story that we saw last month where at one moment we thought that he was uh, depositing a living uh, being into the sun to mm-hmm. uh, kill it and and the thing is is that even though it bothered me at the time i was kind of resigned to the fact that that's superman now and i I think that over the last two months i've kind of come to the conclusion that i just talked to you about that that is who superman is now and in this story he didn't do it in that particular case but he could have just as easily done it in another story um and and this particular book was good and um he was very um interested in protecting innocent life and in fact uh, takes a risk that he says in the story himself batman would never take wait and see what happens and he says forget about that and he goes about rescuing these creatures that from all indications were the threat that that uh, the guy wanted him not to release in the first place and they were going to kind of hold them down and he goes in and says you're not going to do that and uh now we see that there's issues going to happen uh, i guess above ground <laughs> uh and uh, it it ended very dramatically and i like this ghost character this uh, uh ghost soldier or soldier ghost or whoever it is it's an interesting i don't know based on what we know of superman's powers and his invulnerability or at least his measured invulnerability if a knife could still pierce his heart even if it was put because it's not it's not that his skin is somewhat impervious it's that his entire makeup is impervious so even if you had access to his heart it would the the heart would still repel a bullet it's not you know i don't know yeah i guess the point is that this ghost soldier is able to like say martian manhunter make himself intangible and then what happens when he makes himself tangible again? So if he's got a knife uh, that's going through Superman's body when he's intangible and suddenly makes it solid again, how does that interrupt Superman's, you know, it, so, there's something in there already. So what happens then, I guess, is, you know, the question. And that is an interesting take on, you know, the invulnerability um, you know, aspect of Superman's powers and what kind of effect that would have on it. Um it's neat. I understand that it goes in and then solidifies, so mm. it's it's in the middle of your body. So if you had armor on and people couldn't put a knife through it, but then they could put the knife through you in a ghost way and then make it whole, 
that would cause a lot of damage to you. Mm. Uh, and clearly it's causing damage to Superman. Obviously not the same kind of damage that it would cause to you or I because it happened to him earlier in the story and he was fine. So even though it ended very dramatically, we kind of already seen this scene and he was cool after it. So I'm not sure uh, how dramatic it really is to mm. see the same thing happen again when we know he got up only a minute later and he was fine. I guess the, the, the drama of it all is the fact that these little creatures that seemed cute and cuddly and and adorable are now suddenly growing fangs and in size as the threat was uh, envisioned earlier, but they didn't seem to, you know, maybe it's the light of day that makes them that way. But it looked to me that they were they wanted to attack the ghost soldier who who was uh, attacking their rescuers. Mm. It's I guess it's so the whole subterfuge it. thing, you know, trying to make it uh, look a particular way, and we'll guess we'll wait and see how that pans out. But I enjoyed the story; it's it's intriguing. Me too. And uh, we'll wait and see where action. Lana is downright ugly in this story. <laughs> let me just say, <laughs> I like the uh, the relationship that they have, the banter between her and Superman. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's good. It's it's neat. You could tell uh, that they were childhood friends and mm. grew up together, and, and they have that kind of uh, repartee between each other. Now, a comic book that I didn't like, and again, once again, the characterization of Superman just seemed to be totally off was Superman Wonder Woman number 5. Now I love the Superman Wonder Woman title. I think it's one of the the one it's one of the, one of the titles that goes to the top of my reading list uh, each month when it comes out, but issue number 5 of this and this saw Superman up against Zod and Feyora. Zod's released Feyora from the Phantom Zone and and you know they've got their powers in like a split second kind of thing and they're able to like best Superman who seems very naive, very stupid in this story and Wonder Woman needs to come and rescue him from himself pretty much. Yeah, I didn't like – I didn't have a problem with the characterization so much as I didn't like that they definitely seemed to say that Wonder Woman was far more capable of fighting both of these two uh, whereas Superman was just taking a beating from the moment he went after Zod and and, uh, Feora or Zod were able to just kind of toss him around as if he were nothing, but then Wonder Woman showed up and kind of put both of them in their place uh, and then decided to uh, yield for the time being in order to save him from immediately killing Superman. Um, I didn't really see him acting stupid. I mean, maybe you could kind of point out what you mean. As far as him, I, I know that he got his ass handed to him, if we're allowed to say that, uh, several times, but there are two of them. When I was reading it, I was kind of like, how come in Man of Steel he was able to fight all of them and and, and fight them all at once? Uh, and Yeah, he did get thrown around in that too. And he isn't a warrior, so uh, there were a couple of complications in Man of Steel that are a little plot hole-y. And, and, and it all comes from what you just mentioned about this book. And that is, in that movie, they all get their powers really quick. And even though they say, he says, and it's real cool, I've spent years with my parents mastering my powers. Sucks for you, doesn't it, Zod? Because now you're hearing everything. They do have to drag Zod away. But moments later, they're all on Earth and they're all fighting everybody and they all have their powers and they all have full control and everything is fine. And at the end, Zod just sits there and thinks for a minute and then he's perfectly able to control everything without any of his armor or equipment on. And so they get their powers real quick and they get the mastery of the senses real quick and they all fight each other and everybody kind of survives without the help of any Wonder Woman. In this story, we see sort of the same thing, don't we? 
Yeah, in a way, and I guess where I come, where I'm coming from when I say Superman acted a little bit stupid was when one woman instructs him, like says, "Look, you do this, and I'll handle this," and he start instead of doing as she asks him to do or as she requests him to do, he starts trying to talk to Feyora when he's already seen that she's a threat and that she's not going to listen to him, and he just seemed to be, like I said, naive and a little bit, you know, dopey in that he's not really <laughs> thinking through or you know. It just seems to be taking the the stance of, you know, ask questions first, punch later, which is all good and fine when the situation asks for it. But here he just, it's like you said, he gets his, his backside handed to him because of the fact that he's not being proactive or even reactive. He's just standing there talking. Yeah, well, he does, you know, that reminds me of the previous issue where uh, I think it's Batman and I hate that Batman kind of has the right idea here, but he says, uh, somebody tells him, don't trust them, don't, you know, you can't just, uh, and he says, I'll handle it. And and obviously he's not handling it particularly well. They're loose and now they're a threat and now uh, they have to run with their tail tucked between their legs and let Feora and Zod do whatever they're going to do for the next few hours or days until they mount a return to attack them again. And possibly had he listened in the first place instead of saying no 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 but on the other hand from his point of view there's an emotional attachment to the idea that there are some kryptonians who may not understand the earth and and may not understand their new powers and may not really want to do some harm from his point of view maybe if he could talk to them maybe if he could make them understand maybe they can become friends and maybe he can have some other kryptonians around uh problem there is of course that he hasn't spent any time with supergirl which we're going to talk about next and that is that we see supergirl pissed off as she's pretty much been from the beginning of the new 52 that uh, he hasn't been kind of there for her. And I've mentioned that month after month since the beginning, that it just doesn't make any sense to me that only in the times where they want to try to sell extra books and have a crossover do they even come across each other. Uh, yeah. Whereas it seems to me that if if Lobo, which uh, it's Supergirl versus Lobo in 28 as it was in, in 25, uh, 26 and 27, it's a three-part story – where if, if Lobo went into some Las Vegas place and started killing guys and beating up crime lords and landed a ship in the middle of the street, that other superheroes would hear about this. And especially Superman, who's related to this young teenager who should be a part of her life and should be helping her acclimate. I'm with her, too, in that. And I, I've yelled at her before because she's kind of a whiny little girl and she annoys me. But on the other hand... Where is the guy who should be like a father figure to her, who should be trying to help her uh, get her place in the world and, and understand? You know, obviously she didn't make it easy. She punched him, threw him through a wall and ran off every time he tried in the very beginning. Mm. But it's just he's not there. He's not watching out for her. He's not around. He hasn't helped her. So she has a point. Um, something's going on, obviously, with the anger and the rage and the red ring and uh, the next thing they want to get to, but she is a prime character for that rage and that anger uh, from the beginning of the new 52, but a lot of it, and you can't blame other people and a lot of characters in comics and movies and real life do that all the time for you, for the way you act and for what you do. So I think Supergirl has a lot of her own issues to figure out, but she does have a point in that Superman hasn't been there. And that's another mischaracterization of the character as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, no, he's too busy trying to make friends with Zod and Feora. Who <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, to worry about his own cousin. But yeah, Supergirl 28 saw the continuation of the Supergirl versus this new Lobo uh, within, um, you know, the uh, the block, this uh, uh, middle of the earth uh, center of technology or research or whatever it is that uh, Superman's visited himself. And yeah, it is leading into this Red Lantern story, this saga that's going to cross cross over with the the whole Red Lantern stuff that's going on in the Green Lantern books. And um, we will see Supergirl, and she has now at the end of Supergirl number twenty eight. And it's not a spoiler because it's shown right there on the cover. Uh, she has now got possession of a Red Lantern ring, which deals with rage. And she's a prime candidate for that ring because uh, that's pretty much been her mainstay for the entire run of her book. She's a punch first, asks questions later kind of girl. And yes, she does have some issues. She does have some reasons and, and, and is well within her rights to be angry, I guess, at, and, and you know to be confused. But uh, it'll be interesting to see just where this leads because I don't know much about the whole Red Lantern ring. Yeah, I haven't. Uh, I guess the Red Lantern's been a book, an ongoing mm-hmm. book. Uh, I don't think from the launch, but maybe it was a replacement book when something went away, or, or maybe there are twenty-eight of them. I don't. I don't remember. But um, and I, as far as I know, they're bad guys. Yeah, so, as far as I uh, know too. It came out from that whole um, Green Lantern story where there was, you know, the orange rings, there was the red rings, you know, obviously the green ones, the yellow, you know, the whole. Uh, different uh, spectrum of rings that came out there at one stage. Remember, Lex Luthor had an orange ring at one stage. So it's uh, obviously something that is there within the DC universe. It's not something that I've read. So I, I'll i be interested to see how they sell this Red Lantern idea, this story, to people like myself who haven't read any of the Green Lantern, Red Lantern, or other Lantern books to know and to, to bring us in on uh, just what a Red Lantern does, what what abilities it gives you, why it seeks you out, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be interesting to see how they sell that to non-Green Lantern fans. It is going to be interesting, and I, I, I guess, again, the idea is to sell more books, get people interested in a different title, and, and, and having Supergirl. And I don't know how much that's going to, because I don't know how much Supergirl sell. I don't think it's a giant seller. Mm. I also don't know that the Red Lantern books are a giant seller. So maybe they're just trying to combine two series fans. You know, if you're a Red Lantern fan, you're already reading anyway, and maybe you get to know the character of Supergirl through the Red Lantern story and vice versa if you're a Supergirl reader. I did want to mention before we move off of comics, I forgot when we were talking about Superman 27, and this is something that's nitpicky and 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 it may just be my thing i i tend to notice things even though i don't remember things like i don't remember uh the story where superman saved the whole uh lab and and put them in the earth and 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 why a lot of the other scientists hate him i don't remember seeing that she had all of these duplicates of herself and no, that they all look haven't. like i don't Okay, okay, good. <laughs> I thought maybe yeah. I was going insane. That'd be two times in one shot. But in Superman 27, when Kat Grant's at her office and they come in and they're they're grilling her, she says at one point, listen, we don't have lawyers and things that are going to bother us or give us a hard timer. But, but, the, but, the, but the dialogue says we have don't. And don't is in big caps and it's bold. And I just I feel like they have a hundred thousand editors. They got different writers on every page. They got different artists on every page. The least they could do 
is make sure that the dialogue is correct. I don't understand what they're checking. This happens in movies. You know, a guy will have a plate of shrimp, but then in the next shot, he'll have a glass of shrimp. And I just don't understand how editors and people who look at that kind of stuff can miss that. Yeah, I'm with you there. It's uh, They've got editors and they've got, you know, assistant editors who should be catching that kind of thing. So uh, it's, it is... I mean, it happens all the time. You see it in magazines, in books, in novels, yeah. whatever it is. I guess sometimes you get too close to something and it just skips by you. But uh... Well, there's a lot of things like you could read. If you, There's a lot of these things going around online where uh, words are missing, letters are missing, uh, mm. uh, words are completely screwed up, but you could still read the sentence because yep. the human mind works that way and yep. you know what they're trying to say. That's right. But somehow I, when I got there, I went, we, I don't, he, we have, we don't. We oh well we don't have okay for some reason it, that one caught me and and usually like I said I probably am half asleep reading these and I just fly through them to 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 get done with them and I understand the story as well as I my limited mind can but uh, in this case I saw it and it st- stood out to me I just thought it, I just same as when it happens in movies it seems odd but uh, let's move on let's move on let's uh, now uh, looking elsewhere in the world. Uh, Toy Fair 2014 took place uh, this past month uh, in New York and uh, Mattel kind of caught everybody by surprise releasing these or announcing the release of these 30th anniversary Superpowers Collection action figures which uh, were action figures released in the uh, 80s uh, which were really huge as far as some of the like a lot of fans grew up a lot of fans my age and a little bit younger grew up with these action figures uh, when we were kids and to see them celebrating the 30th anniversary of this collection by re- by releasing new figures uh, and or re-released figures is quite uh, quite interesting and uh, and a lot of fans are, are really excited about it did they all have joints back in the 80s? I thought I remember my toys always having – like their leg would move, but it would only move up and down. Like it didn't have a joint where you could make a knee or no, on I the think arm. They to- had, I think they had joints. because uh, I think a lot of fans are saying that these aren't actually new sculpts, that they've just kind of uh, taken the original sculpts and just you know, repainting them for – for these figures, uh, you know, re-releasing them. So maybe somebody out there who has more of a memory of these 80s, uh, classic 80s toys can, uh, can you know, let us know uh, what they think, whether these, uh, the original Superpowers collection action figures were of the same type of uh, articulation as what we're seeing now. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking about G.I. Joe now, and mm-hmm. I guess you could, you could bend their legs because they got in Jeeps and stuff like that. Yeah, and, yeah. Now, uh, but even even the new Superman figures, the from the Man of Steel uh, movie, don't bend. They they just they, you can sit them down, but just flat. They don't. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you have any of them, but the little uh, Zod and Superman figures that go in the armored suits or whatever, they 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 only have that one point of articulation on the leg and arm. They don't have anything else. Yeah, there's a number of figures that have come out that way. I remember the Smallville figures. Uh, only had shoulder joints and hip joints, no knee or elbow joints. Uh, uh, so, or maybe they did have elbow joints looking at them. But yeah, it depends on, I guess, on the type of uh, figure that they're trying to release. But these ones will be uh, out in two waves. Uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman will be released in September, while a gold Superman, a Green Lantern as the Riddler, and Mr. Mix's Pitlick will be out in October, with a Calabac Collect and Connect figure also. Uh, available now. I know you're going to ask me what's the whole idea of a Green Lantern as the Riddler. Uh, the huh. story told to me by Michael Bailey is that they, in the original uh, 1980s 
uh, action figure release, they released a Riddler figure, but all they did was repaint the Green Lantern mold. And so here they are kind of paying tribute or poking fun at what they did back then by, by doing that here as uh, a Green Lantern as the Riddler. They used to do that with a lot of the figures. Mm. I remember all the He-Man figures had the same exact muscle body and arms and yeah. they just would paint Changed like a different chest plate and put a head on there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was the easy way to get out of actually designing different people. Different molds, yeah. And the Gold yeah. Superman was something that was supposed to get released and never did. So I guess here they are 30 years later finally releasing a Gold Superman uh, toy or action figure in that line for uh, Mattel uh, fans who, uh, well, the original line of Superpowers collection action figures were released by Kenner, but here it is 30 years later, Mattel are doing that for fans of that era. Nice. All right, uh, before we move on to the big questions segment of the month, uh, I know I'm a big cereal breakfast eater. I love my cereal in the morning for breakfast, and General Mills, who aren't here in Australia but are obviously uh, well-known in America, have a line of cereal boxes that can uh, you can collect DC Comics, uh, well, like bringing comic books into the cereal book boxes of your favourite cereals. Uh, have you been able to grab any of these, Scotty? I haven't. I didn't even know about them. Um, we don't... Uh, I guess the kids do. I don't really eat a lot of cereal, but I do like the idea of trying to expand the market any time... Again, that's a business thing, but I, I kids like to read. From what I've seen with my kids, they like stories. They like stories being read to them. Um, you know, uh, Alexi's uh, three years old, and she's got books around her a lot. She can't read, but she pretends to read books. Looks mm -hmm. at the pages, makes up her own stories, and uh, so to introduce comics to the people who are eating cereal, kids, is a good idea, and uh, maybe it'll help. Uh, the, as far as the future of, of comics or and or superhero fans by by getting those young people to read them. So yeah, now head, cool. head to biggcerealheroes.com uh, for the micro site that's connected with this. The the cereals things like cinnamon toast crunch, golden grams, honey nut Cheerios, Lucky Charms, and tricks. Uh, they did this back in two thousand and one, and they're doing it again in twenty fourteen with uh, DC Comics and General Mills coming together. And for a number of... 13 uh, years later. Jesus. Well, I guess it's something they wanted to uh, revisit. Maybe it did well for yeah, them it back then. Forever. Said, hey, How about let's... do it next year? Yeah. You know? <laughs> do it every year. Do it every two years. So, 15 years, 14 years later. It's crazy. There, that's the serials available. I guess they're still available now. It was uh, early February that this was first announced, so check your, uh, your supermarket uh, for uh, General Mills serials featuring the DC Comics characters. All right, let's move into the big questions segment of our show. Let's start with the big question. All right, well, last month, uh, for those of you listening, we, we spoke about the decline in big question responses. But uh, from the feedback we got, it, it, it looks like there have been uh, technical problems in receiving some people's responses. So um, good news there with that feedback and our new big question, um, which was uh, how do you feel uh, about them pushing back the release date of the Superman Batman movie to May 6th of 2016. We ended up getting uh, more responses this month. And uh, Hector wrote in, I have a mixed feeling about this. The, the good is that they have more time to get this right and be great. The bad news is it will go up against Marvel, which they have made great movies so far. Either way, I believe this movie will be great. Go DC. Yeah, thank you, Hector. And thank you to all those people who 
did respond uh, letting us know about some of the issues that we obviously had with the big question. Uh, Danny C writes in with that uh, thought in mind saying, please don't stop the big question segment. I've been a long-time fan, long-time listener, and always start checking my podcast at the end of the month knowing that the latest episode is coming out soon. Um, I haven't I haven't been writing in because, well, let me say first that I love the work that you and everyone puts into the Superman homepage and I would never want this to uh, sound like a complaint. That being said, I just don't think the questions have been that thought-provoking. I love hearing everyone else's opinions. The last three big question segments just haven't made me feel compelled to reply. What I mean by that is that my reply would just be the -the run-of-the-mill answer. Uh, What do I think of Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman? I just couldn't think of anything other than I just don't know anything about her. I look forward to all of the segments you guys go through on the show. I love listening to your show, as you can see from this email. If you ask the right questions, your fans will absolutely respond. Well, thank you, Danny. Uh, Some very thought-provoking thoughts there as far as uh, the big question segment is concerned. We'll definitely take that on board. Uh, T. Kyle King, who I don't remember seeing as a responder previously, uh, wrote in and said, as much as I'm looking forward to the upcoming movie, it's more important that it be done correctly than that it be done quickly. The end of 1978's Superman the movie promised that Superman 2 would come out the following year. It didn't happen, but the delay didn't detract from the sequel when it finally arrived. I'd rather get a better movie later than a worse movie sooner. Well, thank you, T. Kyle King. Very good response there. I agree with you. I'd definitely like to see them take their time and get it right. Uh, John Arthur Beeman writes in. He says, I'm incredibly disappointed Warner Brothers is pushing back the Man of Steel sequel almost a full year. For so long, DC has been announcing projects only to forget about them along the way. It feels like I've been here before. I don't want this film to be as perfect as possible. I do want this film to be as perfect as possible. So for Superman fans like myself, all will be forgiven in 2015, but there is a wider audience who might not be so forgiving or interested two years down the road. I definitely think people are going to be interested uh, based on the inclusion of all these other heroes, mainly Batman. Lots of people want to see Batman on screen again, and I think that's what DC's going for. Mm -hmm. As much as I may not like the idea that Batman has to be included, I do think it's a positive in terms of getting interested people in the seats. Yeah. Lynn SM wrote... Please do continue to have the big question segment of the podcast, although I don't often write in. I enjoy hearing the range of answers provided by other people. Here's my answer to this month's question. I am pleased that it was decided to postpone the movie's release. I would much rather the release date be delayed than the movie production be rushed to meet an artificial deadline. Thanks for all you do to promote things, all things Superman and keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Lynn, and uh, another one who's happy to see the movie push back if it means a better product at the end. Arjun L., one of our uh, long-time listeners and responders, says, Hi, Stephen Scotty. A belated Happy New Year to you. My apologies as the Arctic Vortex froze my brain, so I was unable to respond to the previous big question. Today we have a balmy minus 4 degrees Celsius. It's not enough to bring your red spandex shorts out of the closet, but at least my brain has mostly thawed. I've been surprised by some of the casting that was announced and bemused by the usual internet uproar. As actors work to portray people they are not, I'm... I'm puzzled as to why people think that they know what the actors will bring to the screen beforehand. I'm sure Gail Gadot will be transformed for the movie. Let's give her and the other actors a chance already. I'm looking forward to May 2016. Although disappointed with the wait, I was worried that the production will be too rushed to get it right, so in that way I'm relieved. Hope you keep this segment of your show. I enjoy hearing what everyone has to say. And as always, Steve and Scotty and Michael on Radio KL Live, you guys are the highlights of my month. Cheers. Oh, thank you, Arjun. That's very nice. Thank you. 
And Eunice wrote, I think it's fine for them to push back the date as Superman is a tricky character to do correctly, but when it is done well, it's great. So there is an opportunity to make it the best movie yet. That's my niece, Annie. She's my brother's daughter who uh, tells me she listens to the show every month. And they, uh, her and her brother, Christian, uh, always ask me, what's new on the Superman homepage, Uncle Steve? And so I'll play the speeding bulletin, and they always, uh, they're always keen to listen to Scotty's uh, Great Scott segment as well. So uh, thank you, Anne, for awesome. your response. Thank you. Now we have Alex. He writes in saying, I can see how some may be sceptical about the delay since seemingly the sequel was announced so fast already, but when watching Man of Steel, I kept thinking that they should just have worked out on the story and plot a bit longer. If the movie is on delay because of shooting complications or to fix up the script, then I am fine with waiting longer. Agreed again. Uh, Martin Gray wrote, Hi, lads. Thanks for the great podcasts. I have a feeling that Martin Gray might be not from America either. Mm. Um, Because he says, Hi, lads. Mm, We we don't generally say that. Um, uh, I'm not terribly fussed about the Superman-Batman film being delayed. If anything, it's a positive. We may get something a little better developed than the less-than-great Man of Steel. I admit I didn't answer the Gal Gadot question because I have no opinion. I've never seen her in anything, and I don't know what the script will demand of her. I'm all in for giving her a chance. Plus, I'm much more likely to answer a comics question than a film one. Oh, thank you, Martin. Good to hear from you, and uh, appreciate your answer there. Derek Stokely writes in saying, I think that the movie to the move to 2016 will help the film tremendously. We need to be patient in order to for DC to succeed using a much different approach than Marvel has done to be successful. As long as the fans have a wonderful quality movie that we have been waiting for forever, which is done the way that is acceptable to fans and moviegoers, with Superman being the one who helps Batman in his struggle, then DC is on its way. Thank you, Derek, and I like your ideas there. Yeah, me too. Um, that's all our responses for this month. And, and thanks, everybody, a uh, couple, couple new people and people who haven't responded in a while. That's, that's awesome. Uh, our new question is, what do you think about Jesse Eisenberg being cast as Lex Luthor? Yeah, again, sorry, it is another movie question. It is another casting question. I know some people said they would like some uh, some comic book topics to be asked, and we will get to those in the future. But it is a big one, as Scotty's just said. Jesse Eisenberg being cast as Lex Luthor has raised a lot of thoughts and opinions amongst fans this previous uh, month. So let us know your thoughts. What do you think about Jesse Eisenberg being cast as Lex Luthor? Get involved with the Big question segment. Uh, of this show by heading to supermanhomepage.com slash radio and clicking on the big question button. Alternatively, you can send us an email using the big question subject and you can email me at steve at supermanhomepage.com and we will read out your thoughts here in our next podcast. I'm laughing at you, you hear? Laughing! And now it's time for the Superman comedy sketch. What do you have for us this time, Steve? Well, we have a comedy sketch uh, f- which involves Superman and the Justice League. I think it kind of speaks for itself, uh, so uh, take a listen. Attention Justice League. The Legion of Doom is attacking the White House. Thanks, trouble alert computer. All right, Justice League, let's roll. Wait a minute, Batman. What is it, Superman? You guys take it easy. I think I can handle this one. Uh, No, we're going up against the Legion of Doom. We're going to need the entire Justice League. Not really. (laughs) What do you mean? Well, you've got me, Superman. (laughs) Why would anyone else need to come? Uh, You there, new guy. What's your name? I'm Hawkman. 
We've worked together for eight years. Okay, okay. And uh, what do you do? I can fly. Great. So can I. So, we've got flying covered. Just chill. Uh, how about you? Uh, Jesse, is it? What's your thing? Jesse, quick. I can run really fast. Yeah, me too. Faster than a speeding bullet. So, we're pretty good fast running-wise. And uh, you in the weird orange shirt? Aquaman. I can swim underwater really well? Yeah. Yeah. We don't get a lot of underwater crime at the best of times. <laughs> but, you know, if we ever do, I can hold my breath for, let's see, how long was it? Oh, yeah. Forever. You're being a jerk. Wonder Woman. And what is it you do? I fly an invisible... We've covered flying. Okay, okay. I... I can stop bullets with my bracelets. Wow, that's great. I can stop bullets with my everything. <laughs> you want to know how bulletproof I am? I'm as bulletproof as Batman's parents weren't. Oh, hey, that's not cool. Hey, come on. Oh, sorry, too soon? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much your power, right? A sad origin story? <laughs> you lost your parents and now you fight crime? Well, guess who else's parents are dead? And his uncles, and his aunts, and his cousins, and everyone else on his entire planet. This guy! Yeah, yeah, I might have mentioned that. Yeah. So if you fifth wheels would stop wasting my time, I'm gonna go save the president. Anyone want to join the Legion of Doom? Count me in. Sounds good. Yeah, I have some kryptonite back at the Batcave. Let's swing by and get it. The super secret soundbite. You know, this was kind of... This was one I heard from a bunch of people who... Uh, were, were asking for hints and were kind of stumped. And I myself was stumped. Last month's sound came from the Lego movie, which is out now in cinemas. Uh, it was the voice of Channing Tatum as Superman. And let's hear it now, Steve. Do I have to go back to Krypton? Yeah, that's it. That was the sound from last month's podcast. And Goodness. Yeah, it's, uh, it, was, it was from a, uh, a TV spot that we had on the website showing the Lego movie. And it was the first time we'd heard Channing Tatum's voice as Superman, and the, the movie itself, the Lego movie, is doing gangbusters at the cinema, at the box office. Uh, it's not out here in Australia yet. It doesn't get released here until early March. So uh, looking forward to it from all accounts. It's, it's fantastic. It's got a catchy tune. Uh, so uh, that's where that sound came from. And only two people guessed it right. Who were they, Scott? Trenton Brewer and John. Yeah, no last name there for John, but... Uh, Good job, guys. Yeah, you well know, I done. just noticed that it seems like this month is the month where I noticed that uh, we're from different areas of the world. You know, you uh, corrected me on autumn, which can be said here. I certainly know what that means, and I know that that's what the uh, season is actually called. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, one of our writers said lads and uh, that he's not fussed, so I got the impression that he's probably from England or yeah. uh, something like that. And here we have the Lego movie out now in cinemas, which uh, happens to be written in my little script here, which not everything is scripted on the show, obviously, but uh, we have uh, you know we write some things out to make sure that we say what needs to be said. And 
I don't think anyone in the United States would say the Lego movie is out now in cinemas. Uh, it would be in theaters or in, in, in at the movies or something oh, like that. So it sounded odd just coming out of my own <laughs> voice. So I wanted to, I wanted to point that out. Um, cool. A little a little a little backstage info from yeah. uh, the, uh, the the podcast this month. A little uh, behind the scenes. Interesting. Um, do we have a new secret soundbite this month? Yes, we do. I will play it right now. So there you have it. Do you know mm. where in the world of Superman that sound came from? If you do, use the super secret soundbite entry form found at the Superman homepage and let us know. We will read out the names of each person who guesses it right in our next Radio KAL podcast. Any ideas, Scott? Oh, I have oh, so many ideas. <laughs> Just a ton of ideas. I'm thinking like... You know, last week's Smallville episode, uh, <laughs> the Lego Man, movie two. 2, which is already being made, I heard. Yes. Uh, so, you know, and of course, the Lego movie is super popular. Batman's uh, the big superhero star in it, so why wouldn't it be? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it could have come from, that sound could come from anywhere in the world of Superman. So I got so many ideas flying around in my head. I don't even want to say them right now because... You'd be you'd be you'd be amazed by my extensive idea list. <laughs> All right, let's move into our song segment. Ooh, Superman is the title of the song. We've had a few of those um, called Superman, but it's by Joe Brooks this time, and it's from his 2010 album Constellation Me. And you can check out Joe's music at joebrooks.com. That's J-O-E-B-R-O-O-K-S.com. Yeah, here it is, Superman by Joe Brooks. Of you, girl, your eyes and those curves is like you're from some other world. You walk my way, oh God, it's so frustrating. So, why do I disappear when you come near? It makes me feel so small. Why do I blow my lines most every time? Like I've got no chance at all. If I could be a superman, I'd fly. Stars and back again Cause every time you touch my hand You feel my powers Running through your veins But I can only write this song And tell you that I'm not that strong Cause I'm no Superman I hope you like me as I am Tell you how I feel But each time that I try It gets a little more real You say my name Oh God, I can't stop shaking So why do I disappear when you come near? It makes me feel so small If I could read your mind Girl, would I find any trace of me at all? If I could be a superhero 
Well, there you have it, and that is awesome. our show. Now, uh, remember, if there is a song that you would like to request, uh, maybe there's a big topic question you'd like us to ask, maybe there's some topics that you think we need to be discussing here in the show or a comedy sketch you'd like to suggest we play, all those suggestions can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage, or you can send us an email. My email address is steve at supermanhomepage.com, or if you prefer to get in contact with Scotty, his is scotty at supermanhomepage.com, and we will, as I said, try to use those suggestions in a future show. But for now, that's it. Thanks, Scott. Awesome. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Steve. We'll talk to you all again soon. And remember... Always look up in the sky. You've been listening to Radio KL, brought to you by supermanhomepage.com.